Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I'm Sabrina. This is Trailer Talk. And I am so excited to be speaking with Janine Hayes and Brian Mason. They are a husband and wife team. They founded Afro Chic. And this is a continuing conversation. So please refer back to my other episode focused on Afro Chic and Janine and Brian. We are going to be talking about what their mission is with Afro Chic. And for this episode, we're going to be focusing in on wellness. We're really going to hunker down and look at what they're doing through that lens. But to give you a little background about who they are and what Afro Chic is, Afro Chic is a modern design and media project that celebrates the African diaspora. They have a book that's been published, Remix, Decorating with Culture, Objects, and Soul. They have a book coming out in the fall, which is going to be about the legacy of the Black family home. And they really are using design as, as Brian shared with us earlier in the conversation that design is a cultural artifact. And through that, they're really going into explorations and actually a real active mission of engagement, looking at social justice, racial equity, looking at representation and finding ways to do that through their project. So welcome Janine and Brian. Thank you so much for having us, having us again. Oh, you're <laughs> I really love talking to you. Thank you. So if we're going to focus in on wellness, I'm wondering if you can share with us your personal story. I want to share with our listeners that I was following this journey of COVID with Janine and Brian, and I don't want to give too much away, but it's a deep love story. It's, it's a a story of resilience, of fortitude, of commitment, and one that I found a lot of meaning in for me personally. And I'm just wondering if you're able to take us into this journey. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh, so to begin the story, I guess it's important to know that Janine and I have been together for 25 years. Uh, we met in our senior year of high school at Philadelphia International Airport. We were getting ready to go on a college tour to a college that neither of us ended up going to. Um, we've been married now for 15 years. And in February of 2020, a little bit before anybody really started talking about it, uh, I contracted COVID. So um, I imagine it must have been in February because I got really sick the first week of March. And I uh, didn't have any of the normal symptoms. There was no coughing. There was no uh, shortness of breath. There was just sort of a very intense pain in my back. And um, went to the doctor, got an x-ray and found out that I had a double pneumonia. And Janine took very good care of me for the next uh, couple of weeks as I recovered, which turns into the next several months uh, waiting for me to recover fully. And along the line there, uh, she actually ended up with a very mild sickness that we didn't realize was COVID at the time, but which turned into long-term symptoms uh, over the course of the year. Yeah, and you know, it, it, it has been an insane journey. It's been, and it has been a wellness journey. Um, I think that we've 
changed our life over um, what's happened with us with COVID um, and realized that wellness itself is, is, is serious, is very important. Um, but as black people, it's also, it takes on a revolutionary importance um, to take care of our bodies, to take time away from working all the time and to understand that um, we have to value ourselves completely and um, even learn some bits of medical advocacy and all the things you have to do um, to make sure that you survive any type of illness. Like Brian said, you know, he was sick. He was the most sick in those 25 years we've been together. I had never seen him that sick. So it was really scary when uh, he was dealing with the double pneumonia. And then I got sick very, you know, almost like a 48 hour bug. But then for him, it was scary seeing what I was going through because my body felt like it was sort of turning on me from sort of the spring of 2020, really uh, until uh, about March of 2021, when we started to get help. My symptoms were, you know, take a shower and get out and put my feet on the floor. And then my feet would just turn like all red. And I would be feeling like my feet were on fire. I would eat food that I normally ate every day. We'd eat lunch or something and my throat would start swelling, which I had never mm. experienced in my entire life. Um, uh, clothes that I would normally wear start breaking out and hives and rashes. And that progressed over 2020 to the point that it was in August of 2020 when a doctor um, at the beginning of the week had said, you know, you should get an EpiPen because you're just having all these really weird allergies. And it's just probably a good idea for you guys to have an EpiPen at your house. And we were like, why would we need that? We've never, yeah. you know, had to do anything like that. But fortunately we were like, all right, well, we'll put in the prescription and pick one up. And by the end of that week, um, Brian had to give me the EpiPen twice um, over two days because I went into anaphylaxis once from eating a hot dog and then the next day um, had an anaphylactic attack again. And I had never been a person that had ever experienced mm -hmm. anaphylaxis. And so that journey took us on a very wild ride. Um, by September, 2020, we had to leave our apartment in Brooklyn. We were living in Brooklyn at the time. We had to leave our apartment. Everything was making me sick. I couldn't sleep in the bedroom anymore. I had to be in the living room. We had an air purifier next to me and I had to wear a mask 24 seven inside the apartment. And I basically was like this sort of person in a bubble. Like I just couldn't yeah. interact with anything anymore. We just made the decision like we have to leave. Something in here is making me sick or we don't know what it is, but, and, and the doctors didn't know what it was either. Fortunately, um, an amazing friend said, you know, you can stay at my place and uh, in Manhattan, cause she wasn't there. She was quarantining elsewhere. And so thank God that she did. And, and she let us stay there. And for that time, I, who was always a really active, talkative person, always running because we lived in New York City and you're just on that 24 seven, you know, wheel at that time, barely able to really walk. Um, so I was very slow. It was really, I was very lethargic. I would sleep all the time and wasn't able to sort of move around in the normal way. And I want to add that you were documenting this and sharing this on the Afro Chic Instagram. And I was following your story. We had not met or ever spoken before. 
And I was interested in your AfroChic project. And then I saw, because you were sharing it with us, this very frightening, extreme journey that you were both having with COVID, this vulnerability that you were going through as you lost many of your abilities during that time, including being able to even walk and then images of you, Brian, supporting and guiding Janine through this. For me, as somebody watching this story is something that was very scary and also incredibly moving because the commitment that you share with each other is so deep. And that is not always the norm. That's not something we all have in our lives. And it can be very challenging to care for someone that you love under those circumstances. So I um, was interested to speak to you about that. I know that you're now in Napanock, New York and Ulster County in the Catskills, a neighbor of mine uh, in in Sullivan County. Uh, But how this informed you in terms of the work that you do with AfroChic and also your vision of the world, what you realized as you were now focused on wellness? A lot of things that we realized, one was that my focus was entirely on Janine and how scary and terrible it was for her to go through what she was going through. Uh, Janine's focus was actually more on me and how scary and terrible it was for me to go through what I was going through taking care of her. And I think that that's something that gets lost a lot when, in, when we talk about COVID and the impact that it has. Um, and it's obvious the impact that it's having on people who are infected, but for people who are, are caretaking, I think it's important for them to understand uh, the importance of maintaining their own wellness, the things that they'll have to do, the, the, as you said, the level of commitment that it requires because if you break down, then everything breaks down. And I know sometimes it can feel like it's too much or you can feel like it's, it's unfair. Um, that can be a strain and a stressor. For me, I will say it didn't matter as long as she got better. Uh, that was really the, the, only, the only goal I had. The only, only thing that was of interest to me was to continue to fight and to inspire her to fight mm-hmm. because there were moments where I could tell that, that she was starting to slip away and that affected me. And it was actually seeing it affect me that inspired her mm-hmm. to start fighting. So thankfully, because we, we had that relationship and because it goes both ways, um, that really got her uh, up and moving again. With regard to Afro Chic and the the project that we have of really kind of, of looking at design and as this this lens on the these larger processes that make up our society, there's a lot that it kind of it brought to mind for us in terms of, you know, as you said actually before we started this conversation, you know, that the world has changed. And um, what we're saying is that the world has the opportunity to change. Mm-hmm. And what we realize is the, the decisions we make and who and what we choose to be coming out of this moment will really be definitional of what we are for the rest of the century. So it's very important that we get these things right. COVID really taught us a lot of things. It taught us really that we have this very strange idea in this country that all someone deserves is as much as they can afford. And kind of gave us firsthand an understanding of the, of the how problematic this idea is. You know, Janine and I have no illusions. We survived solely because we were able to afford the level of health care that allowed us to survive. And that wasn't because we do so great or because we make X, Y, Z. It was 
strictly because of Obamacare. If it hadn't been for the Affordable Care Act, we would not have been able to afford the level of care that we got. Our doctors were all phenomenal. Not every African-American has a, a great healthcare experience, but we had truly wonderful healthcare experience. All of our doctors were great, but if we hadn't had that level of insurance to get us through the door in those places. And there were some specialists that I was, I was desperately for a time before we made it to Mount Sinai's post-COVID care clinic. There were some specialists that we were trying to reach out to who actually didn't take insurance at all because they had such a high level, you know, high class clientele. And we were like, but everything I'm hearing and reading, and even from other doctors, I'm hearing you're the best, you're the only one that can help us. And they were basically going, well, these are the rates. And that to us, we realized that the, the problem that that poses, because one thing that we're not thinking about is we're dividing, you know, the number of people who've been killed by this disease in a number of ways. But we haven't really looked at is the, the level of insurance and the level of care they were able to afford, you know, yeah. and the idea that we would divide out care on that basis it's kind of made us look at things a, a much different way. Janine and her work in uh, public policy has always had an eye on human rights and me and my work in theology and in uh, African diaspora studies has always followed a very similar vein. So we're, we're beginning to, to look differently at even the, the structure of what we consider to be human rights. Yeah, I'm interested what that looks like, what you both think that should look like and how we get there. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, we talk about like home is a human right. I mean, everyone should have a home. Everyone should have a, a base way of, of healthy living in this country. We should all have access to healthy foods. We should all have a standard of good healthcare. The treatment that I received should not be um, something that is like magical or like, oh my gosh. I mean, I had people actually in the hospital who were who are working at the hospital who would say, some of the technicians when I had to get my EKGs and stuff, and would say, what kind of health insurance do you have? How do you get all these tests? And I was like, what? You know, I was, and I would tell them like, oh, here's my health insurance. Um, have you gone to New York State of Health? Like you can go there and, and get healthcare. And I'm actually having conversations telling them, and I'm like, wait, don't you know about this? You work at the hospital. And they were telling me like, no, or I don't get care at this hospital. I can't afford care at the hospital I work at, which to me like blew my mind because I didn't realize that we were living in a situation where yeah. I thought that every healthcare worker should at least be able to go to the hospital they work at. Mm -hmm. um, so we all deserve a standard of, of care. These should just be our basic human rights globally and as a nation. And I think that seeing the inequities um, that COVID has exposed and highlighted, you know, really had for us to take a very strong look at our country and to go like, this doesn't make sense. Um, this isn't right. And there are things that um, if we are one of the wealthiest nations in the world, that there should be no one that is left out. There should be no one that's in the cold. There should be no one that's not able to have that basic sense of care within our society. So that is a discussion that we're having a lot at AfroChic about, we talk about wellness, we talk about healthcare, we share resources in our magazine about some of the different health centers that people can go to. We get DMs from people because they've also followed the story on Instagram. They're saying like, hey, my mother's very sick. She's going through some of the same things you're going through. And I will sit down and answer people and go, well, I looked up your state and there is a post-COVID care clinic there. 
those are the best doctors who actually know more about sort of these long haul symptoms, but it, they shouldn't have to come to us. We want to be a resource, but it should be that they can go to their government. They should be able to go in their local city site, their local um, health provider site, and those, those resources should be there. And one of the hopes that we have as AfroChic is to get more engaged um, mm -hmm. politically, even here in Ulster County. We want to get engaged with our local and our elected officials to make sure that they can also get those resources out there to the community. We're realizing that we've got to get back to, you know, I always say that I always tell Brian, like, oh, I should have been born in the 60s. Like, I always feel like I should have been a teenager at that time, like out there <laughs> marching. Uh, I always looked at the, that era as like, that was my time. But I realize now that this is a moment where we all have a duty to be there for our communities, to be there for our families, to be there for our friends, um, to make sure that we're giving voice to some of the issues, the inequities that we see in our society. And it does feel overwhelming. It does feel like, oh my gosh, every day there's so much happening. What can we do? But those little acts, when people say those little acts of service, you know, add up to a huge difference, they truly do. So sharing, uh, word of mouth, going out, talking to neighbors, calling your elected officials, you know, sharing your gift, whatever that is of music, design, food, writing, and the things that are important to you are critically important to kind of help us get through this very distressing moment in sharing your own personal story. Because I never knew that sharing my story was going to help people. It was just mm. something that one day on in, an Instagram was like, well, maybe we should tell people what's going on like with us. But it was kind of, you know, you're so used to showing the, the good side of everything yeah. on social media. And we didn't know if it would resonate at all. We were like, I don't know, I'm going to put this out here and see. And what ended up happening was we found that it resonated with so many people and other people started telling us their stories of COVID, but then people started telling us their stories of other health issues that they had been going on for them for years and years and years. And we're saying, I have an immune system issue. I've gone through an issue like you've gone through and I never talked about it with people. And I was like, share it with people because there's so many of us who have gone through maybe a health journey that you might inspire somebody else that they didn't know, oh, you're an artist, but also you're dealing with a serious health journey, um, you can inspire someone. So it kind of opened it yes. up for us. Well, and so incredible it. to think about how powerful it is by sharing one's own story, a personal story, how that then that story becomes part of a larger community as you're sharing with us, Janine, and that that is very impactful. That can aid, you know, help support a connect that we have with each other and also deeper understanding of who our neighbors are and then also help to lift each other up in life. I mean, even before COVID, right? There's so many challenges. It is not often easy, but during this time. It's taught us a lot about the importance of perspective mm. in that you understand the COVID as this, this terrible pandemic virus, as this you know, really this ongoing natural disaster. And yet for us, it was important also to begin to have a perspective on it as a teacher and to, to recognize some of the opportunities that COVID is presenting for us to look at things, as, as you said earlier, the things that, that simply aren't working, you know, in the, in the ways that, that we are experiencing them and things that we need to fix. 
you know, sort of the, the distinction between, you know, not only the, the ways in which people with COVID are treated, but also the how we are trying to navigate our way through this pandemic, the impatience that seems to be spurring us forward, sometimes despite scientific advice, sometimes despite all, all vestiges of common sense. And, you know, this idea that, you know, we have to get back, we have to get going because the economy requires it. The economy has to keep going. And this, this idea of putting the, you know, economic interests over the interests of people becomes very hard. We, we realize that, you know, one of the things that COVID is teaching us is that the economy is imaginary. <laughs> the economy is something that, that we make up, is something that we all agree to. But the pain and the suffering and the death that's being caused is very real. And so there's an extent to this that, and it's this where we're kind of looking at happens in, in every natural disaster, the amount of damage that's done by the disaster itself. And we could be talking about COVID, we could be talking about Katrina, we can talk about any number of things. But then there's an additional layer of damage that's done by people who are either unfeeling about the situation or even actively looking to exploit the situation if for one reason or another. And in this instance, we're seeing a lot of people who are being impelled back to work, impelled back into you know, public spaces, you know, impelled back into restaurants and things like that in a time where it's not really safe and it's not really, you know, the right thing to do. And it's, it's fueling these subsequent surges. And every time there's a surge, then there becomes a new variant. The new variant brings new worries and new concerns. And it really becomes a question of like, how are we doing this? It also brings up the idea again of, as we talked about earlier, decide how much of human life is designed and by design, mm-hmm. you know? And part of that design is part of that question that has to be answered is who suffers? You know, when something goes wrong, who bears the brunt of it? And a lot of our, our culture is designed, especially again, Jenny talking about in our country, our country is designed so that the brunt of, of every blow is borne largely by communities of color and by women. And so when we talk about, you know, well, COVID is decimating this, this community or that community more so than other communities, what we're not looking at are the historical predecessors, like the things that have come before that basically put this community in the crosshairs to be the ones that suffered the most, whether it was wage inequality or disparities in home ownership, or whether it was food justice, a number of pre-existing conditions that that brings about in communities that don't have access to good food or good water, as we talk about in Flint, Michigan or something like that. We have to look at these things holistically and we have to look at them honestly, because now is the opportunity to change them. And if we push past this moment too fast, then we start going back to business as usual and we just set ourselves up for something worse. Thank you, Brian. Janine, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing so much better than I was a year ago at this time. Um, I work with an amazing medical team and I'm definitely back to like, I would say a good like 90%. I have to still continue to do daily physical therapy because I have nerve damage that COVID caused. And also a lot of people you've probably heard also deal with brain fog, um, which is another thing that I'm still working through. But my hope is that by the spring, I will be able to drive again, which will be exciting for Brian to be in the passenger side as I I try to, you know, just take it easy a little bit on these roads and and do a little bit of driving. Um, That will be fun to, to get back to. Oh, thank you so much for filling me in with that. I'm wondering if there's anything else, uh, Janine, you'd like to share, Brian, before we conclude. 
Well, you know, I think that just as we talk about COVID and, you know, we are a a design brand, we are a media brand, and I want to let people know it really all does come back to home still, even when we're talking about something like the pandemic. And one of the things that was really apparent, again, with COVID like highlights these these equity issues in in our country was when the pandemic first started in 2020, One of the things that we saw, especially in New York City, was that white families were able to leave the city very quickly. Like people were able to get up. I had friends selling their their condos, people selling their homes, some clients and people that we knew were going, I'm going to my second home that's in, you know, another part of the state or even another state altogether. Or I'm going to, I have a second home I rent and I'm going to a third home that's like down in Florida. And African-Americans had like nowhere to go. It was like third, like second home. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have a second home. I have like this apartment and that is it. And then there are a lot of people that also live in multi-generational homes where you have the grandparents that could be exposed because grandchildren are living in the home and children are living in the home. And so I want people to understand that that, that not having access to home has really compounded a lot of the issues in our community. The final thing is not having access to a healthy home also has compounded a lot of the issues. And it's something that Brian and I have really been working on because we did become homeowners through this pandemic process, but um, everything in our home because of COVID and my allergies and all these things that happened in my body has to be healthy. We had to have water-based paint to paint with had to make sure that we use, you know, low VOC natural materials as possible and any renovation we've done in this home. That comes down to our food too. Everything has to be organic. I can't eat anything that's been processed or has chemicals on it because again, I can go through anaphylaxis. Um, but then that becomes an issue of access. Yes. How do you get to have organic foods all the time? We're so lucky because we are here now in Ulster County where there seems to be just the most delicious, amazing food all around you all the time. Our neighbors come and bring over like fresh apples and and all types of things for us. When we were in the city, we didn't have access, Um, particularly when we were living in Crown Heights, there wasn't a lot of fresh foods at our, our grocery store. You'd go in and sometimes even the fruit would not be very fresh. That lack of access is also an issue. So, you know, when people are thinking about COVID and they might just be thinking about illness, we also have to think about food justice. We also have to think about housing justice. And those things also have to come into any plan to fix our society and and hopefully have a better world for all of us moving forward. Thank you so much, Janine, for sharing that. And I want to thank you both, Janine and Brian, for speaking with me and continuing this dialogue about the work that you're doing with AfroChic and sharing also this personal journey that you've both gone through with COVID. So thank you for that. Thank Thank you, you. Sabrina. It was so nice to talk with you. Thank you so much for two great conversations. I have been speaking with Janine Hayes and Brian Mason from AfroChic. And AfroChic is a modern design and media project. And to find more about this project, please visit AfroChic.com. There's so much information there. They were both just talking to me about their journey with COVID and so many important issues came up in this world that we want to see get better. We, we want to see move in the right direction. So many deficits have been exposed and we were in a conversation about that. 
And Brian said the importance of perspective and really looking at this as an opportunity and discovering what those are and how we can each individually move forward to make this a better world. So I really want to thank them again. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels.